God has always challenged me, just teach what I'm teaching you. Just teach the people what I'm teaching you. And so today we're gonna look at the power of lament. If you've sat with me for the last five years, you know that I love messages that are super encouraging and rah, rah, let's go take on the world and the world needs saving and the world needs loved and God loves you and, and... but we live in a world that's broken. I don't mean like a little broken. I'm talking just messed up to the core. And if you turn on the news or listen to the radio or the newspaper or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, not as much. Thank you all the people on Instagram who are still posting pictures of food and puppies. We love you. It is my break from reality. I can go and be like, oh, you have cute puppies. And I go to Twitter and it's like, ah, and I turned off. Um, So thank you, Instagram folks. But throughout scripture, especially in the Psalms, you see David's heart. David wrote a lot of the Psalms um, and you see his heart of the world is not okay. And that's what a lament is. A lament is an announcement to God saying, hey, by the way, what's happening now is not okay. There is something broken in the system. And it's different, real quick, it's, it's different than, than, than mourning or grieving, okay? And I, and I don't want to be, to be callous, but it's just, it's just the reality. When um, someone uh, who is, we just, my wife and I just went to a funeral of someone who is 90 years old. When someone who is 90 passes, we grieve and we mourn the loss. When a child who is nine passes, we lament. It's different. One is, that's what we all expect when we get to be a certain age, is that our time on this earth will be done. But when someone who is young is taken quickly, we lament because it's not right. There's, it's just not right. And laments allow us to tell God that it's not right. And laments allow us to vent to God that it's not, it's not okay and I'm not okay. And at the end, if you'll allow me, if we have time, I wanna show you three different times in my ministry experience. Um, where lament allowed me to heal. And if I had not been given the ability by God or the right by God to lament, I don't think healing would have come as quickly. But first we're gonna pray and then we'll jump into looking at a bunch of different Psalms this morning. So if you join me. Father God, help me to articulate what you want me to say. God, help me to keep my emotions in check this morning. Um, so I can speak your word. God, give us ears to hear, hearts that are ready to be molded and feet that are ready to be moved into action. And God, anything that I say that's for me in my imagination this morning, let it be forgotten before anyone leaves this room or logs off their computer. But God, every single bit of it that's you and your truth, let it stick forever. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 51 of the 150 psalms are laments. It's 34%. I did the math. But over two-thirds of the psalms include at least one line or more of lamenting. And, and for many of us, I think many of us who've read the psalms and studied the psalms would tell you the psalms, like, they're my favorites. I love the psalms. But if 
over two-thirds of the Psalms include some element of lament, then we are agreeing that sometimes I need to be able to express what's not okay. I need to be able to tell God what's not okay. There's an entire book of the Old Testament called Lamentations. It's lamenting before God, and it's something that I wondered, is there still room in our relationship with God for lament? In our world, in our church, in the American church, is there room today for lament? Because we have to ask the question, what happens if lament is missing? Because I want to be able to express to you why I find this to be so important. And not only was it so important because it's biblically true, but it's so important to me because it's been, I've been able to apply it. You know what I'm talking about? There's those scriptures that are, that are biblically true, but they don't always seem to play out in my life. The laments, the, the time of me being able to express to God, uh, you let me down. You blew this one. And for that to be okay, that has played out in my life in a way that has helped me heal from some pretty big hurts. But one of the first things that happens when lament is missing is our relationship with God is simply joy, celebration, and happiness. Which I don't know about you guys, but I don't have a single relationship on earth that's that way. I don't have a single relationship on earth that is constantly celebration, constant joy, constant happiness. And if I do have that relationship, I wouldn't consider them a friend. Because it's with friends I can say I'm not okay. It's with friends and family and close people that I can say what's going on right now is unacceptable in the grand scope of how the world should work. And right now, if we think about our world, just outside of our, our personal situations, there's so much to lament for. There's so much in our world, there's so much loss and so much death and so much hatred and so much violence that there is so much in our world that we can look at and go, God, this is not the way you designed it. This is not the way it's supposed to be. But we, we struggle in American churches to do this a lot of times. If you look at a lot of our worship songs, they're, they're joyful and celebration and praise and, and there's, there needs to be that. But there also needs to be those songs that I'm broken. I'm broken and the world's broken and God, you need to do something about it because that's a lament. A lament is, is a statement that the world's not okay. Telling God that I don't accept it this way and then challenging him to fix it. There's so much faith in laments. There's so much faith and so much hope in the laments because what it does is it puts out for God the problem and says, you are the only one who can fix this. Nothing that I can do, nothing that we can do is going to fix the problems of this world. So we lament and say, God, it's broken. You fix it. And more often than not, what he does, because God's a tiny bit obnoxious, is he fixes it inside of me and not out there. He changes something inside of me to be able to live with or tolerate for a moment the brokenness of this world. But when we don't have laments, when it's just joy and celebration and well-being, we don't present a real picture to the world. 
I believe that part of the reason the world thinks that we don't have real answers for life's real problems is because we've lost the ability to lament. We've lost the ability to say that life is bad and I feel bad and and I don't know how it's going to be better. And I I make these jokes all the time and I've, I've used them in messages. Like we put on masks when we come to church. We put on masks around family. We put on masks that everything's fine. I've got Jesus, therefore everything's fine. And we say things to people that are not always helpful because the Jewish people understood emotions. I'm gonna be careful so I say this correctly. One of my favorite Jewish traditions is when people sit shiva. I said it very slowly because you all know how that could have gone. But when someone loses a loved one, their family comes and for seven days, They just sit. No talking, no helping you through the process, no dealing with our emotions. Nope. We're going to sit and we're going to be sad together. Some of you are like, that sounds awesome. And others of you are like, please, God, never. (laughs) Some of you are like, I need a day by myself and then I'll be okay. But the challenge is, I don't know that that's true. I think what happens is in that day, we just really learn how to push it down and pretend we're fine. Where if over seven days we could express our grief, express our lament to those who love us, I think we might actually be better at dealing with things. We struggle to submit situations because, sorry, we struggle to submit situations to God because we've never been honest about them. You can't submit a situation to God if you're not honest about how bad it is. And that's why so many of us struggle with self-sufficiency is because we give God only just a little bit of the problem and say, I can handle the rest. No, you can't. If you could, you would have by now. But we can't, we can't fix these situations. And that is why lament is so important because we can be honest before God and say, here it is, every bit of it, I submit it to you. Because again, the final part of lament is, God, you can do something about it. And I think the other one is we struggle to have real praise and real thanksgiving if we don't lament. Because a lot of times the, the, the sun looks brighter when you've been in the darkness. Sometimes we forget how good things are until they're not. The goodness of God is generally best understood in comparison to how bad evil and sin is. But if we don't ever step over into this world, if we don't ever step over into lament, if we don't ever step over into sadness and and, and heartbreak, then we don't praise God and give thanksgiving to him like we could and like we should because there's no comparison. So we're gonna look at a bunch of Psalms. Look at a bunch of Psalms and see the progression that David has throughout the Psalms. And if you've read the Psalms, he seems a bit schizophrenic. He does. He seems a bit schizophrenic because he's like, ah, oh, it's okay. But what happens is we read them in like 10 seconds. These were weeks or months that that David was living. So it wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm so upset. And then I write another sentence. It's okay. No, these were weeks, months, maybe even years between the anger of the psalm and the lament of the psalm and the praise of the psalm. Now, again, we read it in a couple minutes, so it's hard. So let's look at Psalms 10. 
If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms. The 10th Psalm, we're gonna look at a few verses. I'm also gonna teach you a new vocabulary word today because I like vocabulary. My kids hate it, it's okay. Psalm 10, starting in verse one, with the lament from David. Why, O Lord, do you stand away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? That's a lament. God, you are nowhere to be found. Anyone ever felt that? Anyone ever prayed that? If we're gonna be honest, all of us have. God, I don't see you anywhere. You're not doing anything. Why are you not helping me in this situation? Why are you absent? Why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide yourself from me when I need you the most? Here's what I love about scripture. If David is allowed to do this, it's a thing that God promotes. He wants us to do this. He wants us to be honest with him of like, I don't see you anywhere. What are you doing? You ever looked at the world and been like, I just, just God, what, you, what are you, just a little, um, maybe over here you could, uh, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing, God? Like, and you start thinking like, I could do a much better job. Now, truth be told, I would just like smite three quarters of the people and just, which is not helpful. But then David goes even farther. He, he challenges God, but then he does something, here's our, here's our vocabulary word for the day, called an imprecation. Not an implication, imprecation, which means this is an imprecatory psalm in verse 15. I love this. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Snap it off, God. Just break it. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. You see this throughout the Psalms. You see this throughout the Psalms. My favorite one, my favorite ever, is when David asked God to break the teeth of his enemies. Like, that's some prayer I can get behind every now and then. Like, God, you know that, dude? Just one time. Just a whole, just, come on, one time. But what we see here, and the reason that, that David does this, is because he confesses to God what he wants to happen so he doesn't actually do it. Here in Psalm 10, he is running from Saul. Saul is trying to kill him. Saul is trying to hunt him down to kill him because David is supposed to be anointed to be the next king. And Saul is the current king and says, no, 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 I need to maintain my power and control. So David prays this prayer, God, break his arm. And then when David is in the presence of Saul in a cave with the opportunity to kill him, he walks over and cuts the edge of his robe off because he had given to God his anger. He had given to God his wrath so he wouldn't take it out on people. You see this even when his sons are rebelling against him. He cries out for God to do horrible things to his sons so he can get all of that ugly out of him so when he interacts with his sons again, it is love and grace. But we don't, we don't do this. I, at least I don't. I don't do this. I tend to go to someone else, tell them how bad the person is, all the horrible things I want to happen to them, and then I never talk to God about it. So then the next time I deal with that person, I have to either pretend I'm fine or just hate them. And this is what we've done with people that we don't like. 
I'm not talking individuals, I'm talking big picture. There are people in our world who we think are evil, and I'll be honest, they probably are. But instead of lamenting to God all the things that we think should happen to them, we internalize them and actually hope it does. Because David is not actually praying, God, do this. God, I want you to come down. I want you to snap his arm like a twig. Just do it. He's saying, this is how I feel because I'm not okay. But here's the great part of every single lament in the Psalms. This is how they end. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. There's praise. There's an understanding at the end of expressing himself to God, you're still in control. You're still good. You're still king forever. So turn just a few pages, maybe even be one to Psalm 13. Psalm 13, this one's, this Psalm is really easy to see the lament to the praise and the transition. Because verses one through four are the lament. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? I love that one. Well, will you never come back? Like, you're gone. What is happening? It's been so long since I've understood you. It's been so long since I felt your presence at church. It's been so long since I prayed and it meant anything. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. He is lamenting that the evil in this world seems to succeed. We all know what that looks like. We all know what that feels like that the evil in the world is succeeding, it's being promoted, it's being elevated, it's being encouraged. God, when are you going to do something? Why haven't you done something yet? We don't pray like that very often. We don't pray with our emotions of God, what are you doing? And it's interesting that all these are directed right at God. Why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you doing something? You're the king of the universe. Why aren't you doing something? And then immediately we switch to verse five. The praise, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. See, it seems schizophrenic because we read it all in one context. We read it verse one through verse six. There's a break in there, in the writing. David is experiencing things in life that are just not okay and he's lamenting. He's expressing to God what is happening and then there's a break and he comes to the realization after he expresses himself that God is still worthy of praise. Because that's the point of the lament. The point of the lament is to express the emotions and the hurt and the heart aches so that you can come to healing and that you can again praise God. We're gonna look at one more Psalm, Psalm 39. In Psalm 39 we see where David doesn't lament. We see where he starts off just trying to deal with it in his own way. Starting in verse one, Psalm 39, verse one. 
I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. Now, this is some solid advice, okay? This is, I'm not okay. I'm struggling internally. I'm emotionally distressed. And so I'm not going to say anything that's gonna cause me to sin. I'm just gonna be quiet. And especially when I'm in the presence of people who are unbelievers and don't believe and don't think like me, I'm sure not gonna say anything because they're not gonna get it. That's not bad, but in verse two, it changes. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail and my distress grew worse. Commentaries say that in verse two, he's talking about he was silent before God. Verse one, he's silent before people, which sometimes is a really, really smart thing to do. I should learn to do it more often. Verse two, though, is I was silent before my God. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail and my distress grew worse. Any of you ever been there? Anybody ever put God in friend time out? Come on, you, like I'm mad at you, I'm not talking to you. I'm not gonna talk to you, I'm not gonna pray to you. Open that Bible, shoot what you're talking about. You haven't done a single thing that I asked you to do in like a year. We do that, we get mad at God, we get frustrated at God, we put him in time out, I'm not gonna talk to you. And that is what David did. My life is not going the way I thought it would. I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. And what happened? It got worse. I'm gonna speak to my guys for just a minute. All that anger that's down here that's rolling around. If you ain't talking about it, your distress just grows worse. We've got to learn to talk. Verse three. My heart became hot within me and I mused as I mused, the fire burned, which says he's sitting in his silence and he's thinking about it. He's just thinking about it. And what happens? My fire burned. I just got more mad. <laughs> I'm not talking to God. I'm not praying. I'm not lamenting. I'm not telling him how bad it is. I'm just thinking about it. And the more I think about it, the more angry I get. And the more I don't want God to break his arm, I now want to break his arm. It's just getting worse. And then in verses four through six, he he just kind of um, overarching laments. He says, oh Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Here, David is actually lamenting the punishment that came from sin. He's lamenting to God that God is too rough, that God is too harsh. Oh Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths. A handbreadth is the width of your hand. And my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath, Selah or Selah, which is a uh, musical term to pause. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and dot, does not know who will gather. Which means I've, I've got all this stuff and I don't know what's gonna happen after I'm done because my life is not long. And he's lamenting that God, he has, he has sinned and he's being punished and he's telling God, it's too much. It's too much. Tell me when it's gonna be. It's, tell me with the end of my days. Tell me when it's gonna be over because it's too much. But in verse seven, we see it again. And now, O Lord, for you I wait. My hope is in you. This is the joy of the lament. Is that the core of the lament is hope. The core of lamenting is hope. It's not okay now, but it can be. And David here is saying, even if it's never okay 
on this earth or in my life, it'll be okay in your presence. It'll be okay for eternity. Once we place our faith in Jesus and accept him and his free gift of salvation, all of a sudden we can be expressive to God that it is bad down here and I hate it down here and it's not okay down here and you should fix it down here. But oh Lord, it's for you I wait. My hope is in you. Again, the core of the lament is hope. He continues in verse eight. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fool. I am mute. I do not open my mouth. And I love this line, for it is you who have done it. I love that. I love that. he's, He's flat out telling God, hey, hey, my issues, you did this. But he just said in verse seven, that the God is my hope. That even in the midst of being angry with God, even in the midst of saying you've gone too far or this is too much or why have you done this to me, there's still hope in the middle. Because no matter what's going on, there is hope. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Look away from me, that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. Essentially, at the end, he's saying, God, do something or I'm gonna die. It's not okay. I don't accept it, and you can do something about it. And again, you see this 51 times in the Psalms. And as I was talking with someone about this, they said, well, well, do you see see lament in the New Testament? It's like, absolutely, you should read some Jesus quotes. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Take this cup from me. The situation is not okay. Do something about it. What does God do? Nothing external, but something internal with Jesus because he leaves going, but not what I want, what you want. You see it on the cross when Jesus is being crucified. One of the seven statements he makes from the cross is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a lament. It's found in Psalm 22. Where are you? This is not the way it's supposed to be. And what he's talking about is the weight of sin, the, the, the pressure of sin, the weight of death that is upon him. And he's saying, this is not the way that we designed this world. This is not what we had for our children. This is not what we wanted for our creation. Why have you forsaken me? But what happens? He still submits to God. He gives to God the fullness of his pain and submits to what's gonna happen. On May 16th of 2013, I was sitting in my living room and received a call from my senior pastor then that uh, one of my students had been killed in a car accident. It was one of the most difficult moments I've ever had in ministry. 
we had students over that night for a small group and, and my wife and I told all of the students what had happened. We were the first to tell them. And after all the students left, I got in my car and I drove till I didn't know where I was. I pulled into a, a field that didn't have a gate and I just started walking, I was walking in the darkness. And I began to scream at God and to yell at God and to tell him he's terrible and he sucks at being God and how could you do this? And she was, she was a person who led other people to you, God, and she praised you like no one I'd seen before of her age. Why did you do this? I'm done. I quit you. His response? Turn me to scripture. Romans 8. Therefore, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. And I realized I was part of his creation. No matter how much I lamented, no matter how much I mourned, no matter how much I said, this situation is not okay, his love never changed. Without the time of lamenting, without the time of being able to express to God, what is happening now is unacceptable and him to say, I love you anyway. To say, I hate you, you're the worst. And him to say, I love you. And I'll never stop. It brought a healing to my heart that if I had not done that, I don't think would have ever come. I really don't. I don't think I would have ever been at the place I am now to be able to talk about it. There's emotion, but I can, I can control it. To be able to talk about it in front of people, to be able to express to them, lament brought healing. I don't know the date, but in February of 2015, I was offered a position here as a youth pastor and I sat with the elders, my wife and I, and said we weren't ready. We planned to take two years off. We had, we'd left a, a church experience where it was not healthy, it was not good, um, and we weren't sure where we stood with church or with our, my calling into ministry. We're pretty sure we were still good with Jesus, but the calling of ministry and church itself, we weren't sure where we sat. And we sat with the elders of this church and we told them, we're not ready and here's what we think. And we lamented before them some of the details that had happened of why we were so hurt and why we were so pained. And, and the, the pain of church hurt, some of you have experienced it, it's a different kind of pain. It's a deep pain that burns to the core. And we weren't sure we were ready to jump back in. And God reminded me to trust the Lord, to lean not on my own understanding to submit myself in all my ways to him and he'll make my path straight. And he did. And he brought us to a family that over the last five years has brought healing to my wife and I of what church should be and the power of relationship and the power of community. But if we had not been able to lament in front of your elders... We would, not walked in, we would not have walked in willing to be healed. We would have still had those guards up, protecting ourselves from another hurt. But you guys helped us through that process. And I promise this one's good, so don't think I'm gonna like lash out at people. December 4th, 2019, I was informed that I would not be the next senior pastor here at HCC. It didn't make any sense. I live right there. What the heck? I live right there. I can walk to church. I'd been preaching uh, for about six months on the regular and, and I knew I was supposed to be a senior pastor and, and everything in the natural looked right. 
And oh, I was mad. And I was hurt. Because I was only looking in the natural. And here's what's crazy. I'll be honest, it took me until, oh, end of May, early June, before I was able to lament. But I began to lament. I began to tell God, I'm not okay with this, and you said you were gonna, and you said, and why didn't you, and why did this door that should, that looked like it was wide open, why didn't it stay open, and why did you do this to me? The next morning, I get an email that I have an interview at a new church. The next morning. And while I'm so sad to leave this place, and so sad to leave this family, if I hadn't lamented, God would not have healed my heart in preparation for the next part of our journey. God would not have healed my heart to be able to say goodbye to friends and family. Because if you will be honest with God in your lament, he will bring healing to your heart that you cannot do on your own and that time will never do. My challenge to you as I wrap up my final message to HCC. Always be honest with God. Tell him your hurts. Tell him your heartaches. Tell him you're angry. Tell him you don't like the decision he made. Tell him he's bad at being God. Because he loves you so much that he will never leave you he will never forsake you. Anyone who is willing to die for you is for you. Because when we are honest with God, no matter what happens after I leave, what happens 10 years, 20 years, 50 years from now, if you're honest with God in this place, this place will be a house of healing. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the last five years. Thank you for the hope that has been restored in my family. Thank you for the love that we've felt. Thank you that, uh, thank you that the right decision was made and, and the search committee picked someone else. God, thank you for the ability to express to you when we hurt. The ability to be real with you when we hurt. It doesn't require more faith, God. It doesn't require deeper prayer. It just requires us being honest with you. To not be afraid that you're gonna, you're gonna rebuke us or come down on us or judge us, but that you welcome these laments, you welcome these complaints about this world because God, I think you look at this world and you see the same things and your heart is broken in the same way ours is. So God, help us to lament for the big picture things in our world. The big picture things that we're not okay with that are, that are, that are fundamentally flawed. But God, help us to also lament for the times in our lives where we see that it's not okay. Or maybe we feel like you let us down or that you didn't come through or that we've been hurt or that this world has, has 
turned on us and, and we see only negative. But God, may our laments always be centered around hope. And may they always come back to praise. Let this house be a house of healing for the brokenhearted as we learn how to lament before you, God. Thank you so much for today and the worship and the praise and these people. And God, we love you. Help us to love you more and help us to love others better. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Guys, I love each and every one of you. This is not goodbye. This is see you later. And one of the pastors I follow, his father had a saying that I've, I've absolutely loved. We spend 70 or 80 years on this earth, 90 if we're real lucky. And in those years, we have a job to do. We're to go and we're to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all the things that I have commanded you to do. And behold, God will be with us in that journey. And that's what we're doing. My wife and I, my family and I, we are continuing to do what God has commanded us to do. And I pray that each and every one of you will. Because we can be absent for 70 or 80 years from each other. And we'll celebrate on eternity shores together. We have all eternity to spend together. A few years apart saving souls is totally worth it. Thank you, HCC, for the last five years. Thank you for what you've done for me and my family and what you continue to do for me and my family. I love each and every one of you. Have a great Sunday.